The following podcast contains spoilers and language that our mothers would prefer we did not use. Like Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We Watched a Thing. You know who we are. I'm Billy. He's Topher. And what are we talking about this week, mate? Oscar frontrunner? Nomadland. Ooh, would we say Oscar frontrunner? Is that is that well, what you Well, I'm talking in the kind of literal odds makers sense. Really? Right. For, you, you think this has a shot at best picture? I'm saying that the odds makers certainly think it does. Wow. Okay. I know nothing about the odds. I, I don't look at that stuff. That's uh... No, not until you need to make your Oscar <laughs> predictions and you just copy and paste. No. I do not. I've never <laughs> done that. You know I don't do that. I bring up the odds when we talk about our Oscar picks after we've made our Oscar picks only to bring in an interesting third perspective. <laughs> and then interesting that your sh- that your tips shift significantly oh, after having looked at them. Oh, very, mate, very strange stuff. Mate. I did that one time. And yes, I got like only one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I was banned from all the tipping contests because I looked at the odds. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like betting agencies have become good at making money over time. (laughs) All right, well, let's talk about this. Uh, We were lucky enough to get to an advanced screening of this thanks to our great friends at Dendi Cinemas. Thank you, Lucy, for those advanced tickets. That was wonderful. So, let's talk about this. Nomadland is a 2020 American contemporary Western drama film directed by Chloe Zhao, who also wrote, edited, and produced the film. It's based on the 2017 non-fiction book Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century by Jessica Bruder, and it stars Frances McDormand. Also stars David Strathairn, as well as real-life nomads Linda May, Charlene Swanky, and Bob Wells as fictionalized versions of themselves. Let's get into it. What's it about, mate? Um, what is it about indeed? It's kind of about the the very real uh challenges of living at the margins in in modern America. I feel like you could almost broadly say it's about the American dream in a way. Yeah, or lack thereof. So let's get into it. Obviously you loved this film. It made your top of the year list. It didn't quite make mine, although it was close. Um, So, I guess that gives people an indication that we liked it. (laughs) Uh, Kick us off, mate. Okay. You mentioned that there's a lot of people in in this film playing um, fictionalized, I'm not sure how lightly or heavily fictionalized versions of themselves, which is something that Chloe Zhao has experienced with, with her previous film. I think it was the film she made before this one, The Rider. Yep. which is an excellent film where, if not the entire cast, then very close to it, are, are non-actors. It's just people playing themselves in in a quietly powerful story. Mm-hmm. Um, this and this is now only the only the second film of Chloe Zhao's that I've seen, but quietly powerful is is maybe how I would describe Chloe Zhao films. Yeah, yep. But yeah, a really interesting approach to not hire actors for these these roles and you really notice it when the credits come up and it's like you see who's playing who yeah and it comes up with like the credits other than like, it's like Francis McDormand David Strathern and then and then just people who have the same name and it's like oh wow wow yeah. she did it again yeah well, um, and the guy who plays um David Strathern's son that's actually his real son and the 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 level of performance that she gets out of these previously non-actors is quite frankly phenomenal I 
have to disagree with you here. And for me, this is really the one thing that stopped it going into my top of the year list. I think there's some beautiful things this film does, and I think it it does some things exceptionally well. Casting non-actors is not one of them for me. I I think, and maybe it is just because, you know, they're up against Francis McDormand. <laughs> like- to to carry a scene, there are there are whole scenes where it's just Francis McDormand and one of these guys together, talking, conversing, and Francis McDormand is so incredible in this film, and she is so real and raw. And as as I said to you when we walked out, if she doesn't win the Oscar for this, it's purely because she's won it before or because she's not really doing anything huge. She's not big enough in this film. There's no scene where she breaks down and cries or something, which the Oscars love. I found that even though, you know, these actors aren't actors, it felt a lot more like acting to me. They didn't come across as real as Frances McDormand does. I c- you can almost see them thinking the lines through in their head. And, and to me, it it takes the realism away. Like the film, for a lot of it, is filmed almost- documentary style you could say there's a lot of you know real living camera stuff i don't feel like the dialogue or the performances a lot of the time match that tone for me i think a lot of the dialogue feels quite written and i think that comes down to the performances so for me that didn't land very interesting i i mean i couldn't have had i couldn't have had a more 180 reaction to you with these people i was just sitting there the whole time going wow i feel like i'm just watching people and then it was, it all made sense when the credits rolled. And I was like, oh, it's because they're people. That's And they don't have to act this experience. Yeah. This is their experience. Yeah. See, and it might be their experience, but I, it, and it, it's not that for me, it was the dialogue itself didn't come across as real. And, and again, I think that's just because I could, you know, people who aren't used to memorizing dialogue and reading it, no matter how close they are to to that dialogue and that experience you can feel it i think it just didn't quite land for me you've touched briefly on the on the way the film is shot it's a it's a way of of shooting that just appeals to me there's a lot of there's plenty of scenes in the film that have this kind of malik-esque yeah feel to them with the the low sun and the really wide lens just following a character around in this in some scenes it feels like this kind of semi dream state yep. with the camera just floating through these scenes as she's kind of drifting from yep. mini chapter to mini chapter in this larger chapter of her life which i mean firstly there's a lot of scenes that just look fucking great yes um because of the lighting conditions they're shot in the landscape they're in and the control and, and brilliance of the operator. Yeah. Um, but just on a on a personal taste level, it's something that just works for me. I couldn't agree more. I, I love this style of shooting. And it as I said, there's almost this living camera documentary feel to it, and yet it is so polished as well. Like I, I just think it's such a gorgeous film. It's it's real um, Emmanuel Lebesky vibes in for me in the shooting of the film. Yeah. Um, gorgeous stuff. Absolutely. And and you you brought up the landscapes. It's, it is filmed with the landscape almost being a character all in of itself. Like even scenes that are quite emotional, some films would go really tight on the actors' faces. 
this lets everything breathe and it never lets you forget where these people are. And like the landscape changes and the tone of the film changes with it, you know, like there are there are scenes that are brutally cold and then there are scenes in the middle of the desert and the landscape is always present and it just looks fucking beautiful. The, the story certainly, it feels very intentional to make sure that you're aware that you're in, you're watching people who normally are not the center of movies that we see. Yes, yeah. And it's and not only that, but it's happening in this corridor of America that is not yeah. normally the focus of films which tend to be more east and west coast. Yes. Certainly certainly in the main in the mainstream like for sure. And most characters we get in films, sure they're all different in their own way, but more or less they they do fit into boxes. Yeah. Even in 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 bad films in in good films doesn't matter. You mentioned it in, in what it, in what this film has to say about the so-called American dream, which yeah, we can call it the American. You just insert country's name and then dream. That's right, absolutely. It's, yeah, it can happen. It happens in a lot of places, but it, it's not something that we spend a lot of time putting a spotlight on in films. That's right, and and I I love the the. What this movie is doing, it's it's making a comment on the American dream by looking at people who reject it, you know, and they have completely valid reasons for it. Like, there, there are those beautiful scenes where they're all sitting around in the desert talking about why they've become nomads. And there are very few of them who don't have other options. Like, that's what is really interesting about this film. It's not looking at people who have been forced into this brink of society like you look at Frances McDormand she has several other options like there are you know she goes and stays with her sister at one point and she tries to keep her there you know she goes to stay with Dave and and she could stay there but she can't bring herself to do it after the death of her husband and after that experience and and the way that her entire town was like for lack of a better word just disappeared (laughs) like it it's beautiful and what i really love about the film is that it takes both of these lifestyles and looks at them with a sense of it, it's not trying to say this lifestyle is great this is bad like it shows you the realities of both like there there are moments where being a nomad looks quite frankly wonderful and then there are moments where she's shitting in a bucket and you're like yuck <laughs> like and it it looks at both of these lifestyles with a sense of love and a sense of um, just realism and, you know, disparaging about what about it isn't great at the same time. And I think it handles that so well. Something it captures really well when she goes into suburban life briefly. Um, it What it reminded me of is when, when Jeremy Renner kind of re-enters his quote-unquote normal life in The Hurt Locker, and he's wandering through this supermarket. And it's amazing how that film made a supermarket feel so strange because of how well it had embedded you in what this guy, what this character had been doing yeah. for the film up until that point. And ex- exact same here. Like, Frances McDormand is just in, even when she's just in a bedroom. Yes, I know, with like a normal bed. <laughs> this film has done so well at at bedding you down in her life. Yes. To that point that you're like, wow, how weird does a bedroom feel? Yeah, and you can you can see her rejecting it and feel strange about it. Like she she clearly is not comfortable 
in a bed anymore. <laughs> like, it's just not yeah. for her. <laughs> and I like the fact that, you know, you mentioned that, yeah, that there there are people who are, who are living the nomad life because because they love it and they love they love this part of the country and everything and then there's also they show the flip side of that and and the flip side to the american dream where yes. one of the characters is talking about she you know she checked her her social security and there what did she say she there was like 165 yeah. dollars or something yeah and it's just like oh wow so there then there are these people who who have just the system has just let them down yeah completely and one thing I really like about the film is that it's this great not knock you over the head thing about like not not just not necessarily specifically 2020 when the film did initially come out, but about this era in American politics where it feels like certainly from the outside looking in, it certainly feels like the these two sides just just don't get each other mm. at all. And even if let's say you don't <laughs> approve of someone who looks in their social security account, sees there's $165, is really pissed off, and so votes for Trump. Even if you're like, well, no, I don't support that, at least it gives you an insight to there's a reason why people feel let down yep. and are pissed off. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And and as you said, when you I think the words you used were quietly powerful. That is the perfect way to describe this film. There's nothing big about it. It feels very small scale in a lot of ways, but it does so much with what it utilizes, I think. So, the film itself, it, it kind of both does and doesn't follow a narrative. It, it's very much what you'd call slice of life film, where it takes, you know, an 18 month period in this woman's life and it just shows it to you. You know, it doesn't have an inciting incident that we see on screen. You know, everything that's happened with her husband, the town shutting down has happened earlier. And when we come into this character, she's already living this lifestyle. And when we get to the end of the film, she's still living it. It's There's no real resolution to the film, I think, which it can almost throw you off a bit. But I, I mean, I love that style of, of film where- it doesn't it doesn't just hand anything to you on a plate there's no happy ending in this film there's also no unhappy ending it's just this period in time and it kind of flirts with it when she's when she is staying with that's right david's with david strathan's family and it's like and but, but it, and it would be i think it would feel like a bit of a betrayal if the, if the story had gone yes okay yeah you know what we got we got her in a house she's yeah. going to be okay yeah like that would have been what- a complete that yeah that would have been a total disservice yeah and thankfully then you're like okay good the film's still going yeah absolutely because I was there's worried a part of you because like there's a part of you that wants to be in a nice bed not in a van like there's a part of me that was like fucking stay yeah I know right and that's why the scenes with her and her sister work as well because you can it's I've always struggled with this concept and it, it is really hard. You know that old saying, treat people the way you want to be treated? The thing is that that's actually really untrue. <laughs> like, because, you know, if you fo- if you go by that logic, then, well, I want to sleep in a bed. So, of course, she wants to. <laughs> it's really hard to come to that level of respect for someone where you're like, no, this is a choice that she's making and I need to allow her to do that. <laughs> like, 
it's very, very hard. Like, I have that problem all the time. But you like, do want to be given the option to sleep in a bed. You want to be well, given the option of what you want your lodgings to be. You you do, you do. But that's not what her sister was doing, really. Her sister her sister wanted her back. Like, she made her come and sleep in the bed before she would give her any money to fix her van up. Like, Yeah, she, yeah, she wanted to save her. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing about Frances McDormand is that in, in her eyes, she already was saved. She had her van. She, that, she was saved from that lifestyle- that most of us think of as quote unquote normal. One thing I think the film does, I think this is a total success in the film is the way it, um, the way it gets across what it thinks the value of a human life is. Mm. And that is not how many things do you possess? How big is your house? All, All these kind of things. It's actually, it's far more about the connections and value that you have with other people. And so when something bad does happen to a material possession, like the plates, it is, it's got nothing to do with because that's the plates that she eats off. It's because that's the connection to her father, to another human. Yeah. And I think Chloe Zhao is, is really pretty great at just giving weight to people. And their value, which, like, how much stuff do we do we watch where 20 people get mowed down in a sequence of whoever driving down whatever fucking road? Yeah. And who cares? Yeah. We can be so desensitized to it. And, and not, that, not that I always care. Like, I, you know, I'm more than happy to shut my brain off and watch people be mowed down in a fun action sequence. Um, but it's all the more powerful because, again, it's done so quietly. Yeah. And with such understatement in this film and, and that like you kind of have to come to it. I agree a hundred percent. And this is why I think the bookies might have it wrong, mate. I don't think this movie really has much Oscar hope, which I think is devastating. I would I would like to see it get at least a few nominations. I Chloe Zhao getting best director would be brilliant. <laughs> um I, I can't see it happening because it is such a quiet film and that's just not what they tend to go for, really. Part of it at the moment is that it was always, just because of the nature of the year, it was always going to be a lighter field than usual. And yes. that is not me saying that Nomadland is less deserving than any others, but the competition was just always going to be thinner this year. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I'll be. I will be so curious to see what happens come Oscar season. I feel like at this point, I I don't even have a read on what's going to get nominated. You know, outside of the few, you know, Bozeman for Marainis, will that get any other nominations? Who knows? Um, Mank will probably score a few, but well, it will. It will probably see Viola Davis running against Frances McDormand. Yes, that's true. Even though I don't think that that should be. I think that'll be some category fraud. I think that. There's only one person in that film who should be in lead, and even that's a little bit ropey given how much of an ensemble it is. Yeah, as I said, I think that Frances should, based on what I've seen this year, if she doesn't win for Nomadland, which she really should, it will be for more politically based reasons because she is spectacular in this film. She's so real. (laughs) I I mean, look, I'd, I'd have absolutely no issue with her winning from what I've seen, but- I haven't seen Vanessa Kirby's performance. I haven't seen Carrie Mulligan's performance. So there's some other there's there's some big ones out there that yeah. could change my so mind. Are you talking about Promising Young Woman and Pieces of a Woman? Are they the two performances you're talking about? 
Yes. Yeah. Hopefully we can get to them soon. Maybe. Yeah. We should put them on the schedule. Yeah. All righty. Cool. So how are you scoring Nomadland then? Um, I think it's very good. I'm an eight out of 10. I'm also an eight out of 10. I loved this film. It very nearly could have gone higher for me. And as I said, it just missed out on my top of the year list. It was in that category of, you know, oh, here's 10 films I've given eights to, which is going to be the one that that makes it up. Um, I, I adored this film. Absolutely loved it. If you get a chance to see it, I believe it doesn't come out wide release until March. But when it does, go get to it. I concur. What are we getting to next week, buddy? Yeah, what are we watching next week? <laughs> yeah, I don't know either, do I? We'll figure, we'll figure something out. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk off mic. We'll come back to you. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchedthing.com or wewatchedthing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedthing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedthing, and we'll catch you next week. Watch a movie, folks.